0: ...placed before Gran's vault, which are fashioned from her favorite purple catlia orchids. Crotchety old Gran, who oh, I can admit is far more cherished by me now than ever she was in life. My duties performed, I move on eagerly to the remote grave at the farthest corner of the cemetery, the real reason for my weekly visit. For this sacred plot... Have I reserved the wildest, most fragrant flowers and the lyrical hymns of my own authorship? It is just after daybreak on this Key West morning, already sultry, and I kneel before the grave under the canopy of a mahogany tree, whose sheltering arms reach out to offer shade. A cooling breeze occasionally stirs the air. The throaty ripple of morning doves stabs the silence and a pungent dampness from recent rains on the leaf-scented ground assaults my aging knees. I place my flowers and whisper softly as I arrange their showy blooms. Against the bleakness of the darkening gray stones, their vivid color brings the air to life, like joyful wedding confetti scattered on church steps. The day grows increasingly hot, with the sun scorching the early mist and my hair curls into damp tendrils around my neck as my clothing begins to cling to my skin. Feeling lightheaded, I sit on the coral stone bench beside the grave, the grave of the one man I truly loved. I think back on all that has happened these past 54 years. Condemned to have lived on, alone and wiser, I recall the bitter and the sweet, the grief, and the rapture for in my life the one cannot be chronicled without the other part 1 new orleans and wreckers key 1829 to 1840 chapter 1 wreckers key may 13th 1839 It was fully three years after we first arrived on Wrecker's Key, almost to the day, that my husband vanished one May afternoon. I had just completed the children's school lessons when it occurred to me that Martin was late coming home. He had sailed off earlier from the dock, smiling and waving lazily at our only son Timothy, who was pouting at being left behind, That last wave, a gesture, forever etched in the chambers of my mind. It was a remarkably ordinary day in the Florida Keys. The sea was calm, a blue-green so clear, it revealed the shadows of plants and darting marine life in its shallow waters. The steady wind was no more than a light tropical breeze, cooling our skin from the blistering sun. Martin was an experienced sailor, and catching our supper in the late afternoon was something he often did before igniting the lamps of the lighthouse tower just before sunset. Located 23 miles from Key West, our desolate outpost at Wreckers Key was a solitary place. We were the sole inhabitants of that tiny speck of land, tending the lighthouse with monotonous regularity. It was demanding work, and we had arrived there under duress. Yet we had soon grown accustomed to this island, a beautiful place to raise our young family. But that day, minutes stretched into long worrisome hours as my children and I waited and watched for him well into the night. Initially, I was angry. Had he just lost track of time? It meant that in addition to looking after the children and preparing dinner, I would now be responsible for lighting the lamps. It was only later that my anger dissipated, and a nagging anxiety slowly began to take hold. As I kissed the children goodnight, and the sun plunged below the horizon, a growing fear was quietly gnawing at my heart. I slept little that night. Martin still had not returned. And the next morning, when our watchdog Brandy announced the arrival of our old friend Captain George Lee on his supply tender, the Outlander, My heart sank. Lee's boat had Martin's empty fishing skiff in tow. The captain and his mate, Alfie Dillon, usually came on the 15th and at the end of each month.